right, guys. I want to introduce you uh, to two guys that I love and respect a lot. Uh, this is DeCarlos Robinson. This is Jonathan Nash. Yeah. And um, they're both on our pastoral staff uh, here. And what we just sang actually introduces it well. Because in a community called Napier, uh, they are trying to set a table uh, that people would know and meet Jesus and become family like we are. Uh, and so I won't say much more than that. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to them, but I'm excited uh, for what they're bringing us into this morning. All right. Well, good morning, Creve Hall. Good morning. I said good morning, Creve Hall. How y'all doing this morning? <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. I know my brother is happy to be here today. We're just happy to be here uh, to come and um, uh, worship together, together today. And we um, appreciate this opportunity uh, to be able to do so. Now, I'm going to just let you know, put this disclaimer right here already. That some traditions that you might not be used to, you may hear from me in more of a call and response. So I'm going to ask that you be open to that today and embrace that today uh, as we all worship together. Amen? Amen. 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 With that being said, listen, uh, yesterday I believe uh, the Atlanta Braves is on their way to the World Series and I know there was a lot of fans out there screaming and hollering. But listen, we're in the house of the Lord today, so we can't let them outdo us. So I'm going to ask that everybody, would you please do as the scriptures would say, let's stand to our feet and let's make a joyful noise unto the Lord today. Would you do that this morning? Not for show, not for fashion, but really direct that unto him. No, seriously, direct that unto him. Come on, come on. Direct that to him. Direct that to him. Let's say hallelujah. Let's fill this space this morning, this sanctuary this morning with praise on our lips. Let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. Come on, let's do that today. Come on, at the baseball game, they was hollering, they was screaming, they was yelling, they were excited. We can't, we can't let them outdo us when we are talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He want to hear our praise today. He wants to hear our worship today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. We serve a great God. Father, thank you for this time this morning. We decrease as you increase. Be with Jonathan and I as we uh, say what your word has said for us to say today. Lord, this is, this is all about you. We decrease, Lord. Be with us today. Be with your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, quickly, we're moving. In John chapter 4, verse 39 through 42, I'm reading you're hearing. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. Many more and many more believed because of his word. 
They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves, and we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. It appears to me that um, as I turn on the TV and particularly look at the news, I'm appalled at uh, what has been said and the storylines that we hear on a consistent basis. If you had any heart at, at all, it would make you cringe from the things that we hear and the things that we see. Violent rates amongst our youth are growing in large numbers. Political parties that are at odds with one another. Increasing fear or even some hysteria, even. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about, uh, potentially because of them going back and forth with each other, a government shutdown. The interactions between black and brown people, particularly in the area of policing in our country, the mistrust that's there, we see that on the news. Conversations about critical race theories and this global pandemic that we are in that has basically consumed so much of the TV and the news over the last year and a half. Death rates increasing from that. People at odds with one another trying to figure out who's right or who's wrong about being vaccinated or those that are unvaccinated. And I just shake my head and and I begin to just talk to the Lord like I'm talking to you today. Lord, where are you? Where are you in all of this? What are you saying through all of this, the things that we see? Lord, how is your glory being revealed in all of this? But I am comforted today and knowing through the word of the Lord, as it says in John chapter 17, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Which means that we live in this world, but we're not of the world. That the reason why things can seem so chaotic around us, and we ask these questions, real life questions, Lord, where are you in this? It's very simple. It's because our Lord is not a part of this world. He has his own kingdom, his own rulership, the kingdom with his own principles and his own benefits. 
And so although that we are in this world, we're not of it. We're actually a part of something way bigger. And this is the time that I would say to you, would you nudge your neighbor and say that we are part of something way bigger? Yeah, I, I heard a couple people over here on this side. Let's see about this side and this side. Nudge your neighbor real quick and say, we're part of something way bigger. Here we go. Yeah. We are a part of something way bigger. But we have to really see who the we is. The we, according to John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, who gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I don't know about you because I don't know all of you, but if you heard yourself in that scripture, would you raise your hand for me this morning? Hallelujah goes right there. To be called a child of God. So that means if we are children of God, we are a part of something that is greater than this world. We are part of something called a kingdom with our king. We're supposed to be excited about that right there. So then, I don't know how you talk to the Lord, but I talk to the Lord just like I'm talking to Dave right now. I say, Lord, if we are a part of a, a kingdom, then I have a couple questions for you. Do you think we really understand the concept of kingdom and God's overall vision for that? That's a loaded question. Lord, I, don't, I, I really don't know if we really understand your vision for kingdom. And then my second question to him was, in fact, if we do believe in kingdom, then it's way bigger than our shallow thinking. The reason why our thoughts can be shallow about kingdom is because of the people that we see every day and every week. True, they're part of the kingdom. But sometimes, that's all that we see. It's the person next to us. It's the people around us. 
It's the people that we hang out with. It's the people that we shop with. It's the people that we come to church with. And that's great. But as I mentioned earlier, the kingdom is way bigger. And if the kingdom is way bigger, that means that we have to ask the Lord to challenge our thinking today. We have to ask the Lord to challenge our thinking, open our hearts, and let the Lord challenge us today about our thinking when it comes down to the kingdom. Now, let's, let's talk about this for a second. If we have a king who is a ruler, again, according to John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, it says, but to all, let the church say all. Let me say it again. But to all, let the church say all. Who did receive him who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And you would say to Carlos, talk about that a little bit more. Let me share with you. I'm a Nashville native. I love Nashville, Tennessee. I love it. Born and raised here. I've watched a lot of people come into our city. <laughs> and it's a few of us still left. I have family members that are my blood family that are on the east side and the west side and the north side. And back in the day, we would just say north side. And the south side. And they are all my family. Blood family. But that's not what we're talking about today. The Bible tells us in this particular scripture... If they have not believed in his name, if they have not received him, if they are not or do not have his spirit, then they are none of his. And although they're my family, and that's great, but I'm looking at family right here in this sanctuary today. I'm looking at family that are a part of a kingdom. And although I love my blood relatives, but they, if they're not believers, then they're not a part of this kingdom. And I dare one of them to say something about it. But I'm looking 
at family members right here in this congregation today. 95% of you all I've never met. But if he is our king and our ruler, our father, and it says that if you are a child of God, and you are a child of God, and you are a child of God, and I'm a child of God, then that makes us something. That makes us family. That actually makes us brothers and sisters. 95% of the people in this room today I have never met before in my life, never laid eyes. This is my first time at Creve Hall. Praise be to the name of the Lord. But I call you by what you are, according to the word. Brother and sister, you're my family. And just like you are my family, I have family members that are in Africa. I have family members that are in Europe. I have family members that are in Asia. I've never met them before. But if they are a part of what we are talking about, this kingdom, then they are my brothers and my sisters. And that means they're your brothers and your sisters too. If they are your brothers and your sisters, just like they're my brothers and sisters, and they are our family, there are things that we do in a family, brothers and sisters. Family loves one another. Family supports one another. Family holds each other accountable. Family even sometimes rebukes one another. Because that's what family is supposed to be for. Love, support, encourage, rebuke, hold each other accountable. Enjoy each other. That's family. Mitch is family. Dave is family. Chaney is family. The roads are my family. What's your name? Yes, ma'am. Jeannie, you're my family. Hello. That's really what John chapter 4 was talking about. If you remember what I was reading earlier, John chapter 4 was sharing with us when Jesus was on his way out of Judea. He stopped at a well to have a conversation. Well, really, he was there to, he was tired. It's really what he was there for. He came across a, a Samaritan woman. Now, I know my man from Kid Town has taught us 
in songs that Jesus was a Jew. And this woman that he was talking to was a Samaritan. And if you haven't, I believe you have, but if you haven't learned it, young people in Kid Town, Jews and Samaritans didn't like each other. They didn't mix. In fact, there's a stronger word for it. They hated one another. According to some commentaries, it was racial tension there. They couldn't stand one another. So Jesus finds himself talking to a Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman was there at the well. Jesus was talking to her, and she was so thrown back. Like, how are you talking to me? I know you are Jew, and I know you know that I'm a Samaritan. And we don't talk. We don't mix. We don't fool with one another. But Jesus being who he is, spoke to this woman, and the Bible tells us that he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. So because of based on what she had as an encounter with Jesus, she went back to her Samaritan village, talked to them, and they were like, oh my gosh, I got to find out who this Jesus is. Do you know what can happen when our family members open ourselves up and grow across the line and be challenged in our thoughts? Do you know how powerful that is of someone that is not a part of who you see on a regular basis and you show kindness and compassion and grace and mercy towards them like Jesus showed this lady, the Samaritan? Do you know how powerful this thing can be? If we will take a moment just to say, you know what, let me take the blinders off my eyes just for a second. This thing is way bigger than me. Do you know what Jesus gave to her himself? Woo! He gave himself the same thing that I needed from him. He gave to me too. And he brought me in to a family. Jonathan is coming at this time to tell us about our family in Napier. Y'all. We've done this once before, but I've never, I've not felt like I had less to say after that <laughs> than I do right now. But I know, I know, I know y'all want to hear a little more. <laughs> Professor Nash has come. <laughs> if you listened, if you listened to what DeCarlos said, he said, uh, 
He really said one thing. And I'm going I'm to read you what he said. I wrote it down. He said that, that God is, is on a mission. And God is on a kingdom building and a family forming mission. That's what he said. He said that, that, that God is on a kingdom building. Say kingdom building. And he's on a family forming, say family forming, mission. In Napier, we are simply going to one neighborhood in that kingdom to find the family that God is forming. That is what we're doing. We are, we are going to one neighborhood in this kingdom called Napier, called Historic South Nashville, called you know, four miles from here, to find the family that God is forming for us. And so there are three parts of the Lord's vision that he's given to us. And I say that very intentionally. The Lord has a vision for Napier, which means he sees something happening. It's not wishful thinking. It's not, oh, oh I hope maybe this will work. I'm, I'm telling you right now, there are, there are three things the Lord is going to do that we're seeing when we close our eyes. We're seeing it happen. And I want to share those three things with you. Number one, the Lord is forming, gathering, building a thriving church family. The Lord is forming a thriving church family in the Napier community. That is what we want to do. We want to find this family that God is forming. Now, let me tell you something interesting about Napier. A lot of people would hear that, and they would laugh, and they would say, bro, there's six churches in the neighborhood. And that would be because there are six churches in the community. I can count them. I know where they are. I know the pastors of pretty much all of them. And as far as I know, in every one of them, the word is being opened and the gospel is being preached. So why in the world do we need to form a church family in the community? Well, let me tell you a little bit about this community. This neighborhood, we estimate, has about 70 to 80% unchurched residents. 70 or 80% of the people we talk to that we walk around and see every day do not have a church family. They don't go to church. They don't attend church regularly. And of those six churches that are there, probably 80 or 90% of the people that are there on a Sunday morning do not live in the community. They're not part of the community that those churches are in. So what that means is there's almost no overlap between the churches in the neighborhood and the community itself. So these people don't have a church home. They don't have a church family. There's a lot of reasons for that. We've learned the trauma of being in a historic community of poverty, in a historically marginalized community. We've, we've learned, we've heard the church hurt that exists in this neighborhood. Deep church hurt, personal church hurt, experiences of church abuse and spiritual abuse. We also know there's spiritual hopelessness in this community. There's just a, a hopelessness that tells you, it doesn't matter where I go or who I try to be a part of, it's not going to work. There is no place for me. And as we seek to love that neighborhood, we have to know those things. I would tell you, if you want to love anyone, you have to know things about the people you're trying to love. You don't get love without seeking to know and understand the core concerns, the core hurts, the wounds of people. And so as we 
get to know our neighbors and love them, we want to build the right kind of church family for them. We want to gather the right kind of church family together that's built under that king with the principles of that kingdom The kingdom of Jesus that DeCarlos just talked about. And so we are building a new family in the Napier community. We want to see a thriving church family. It's why we call ourselves the Napier Kitchen Table. Napier Kitchen Table Fellowship. Because we believe that if we set a table for people to come and be a family together with all their wounds, with all their brokenness, they will experience transformation that only comes when people love one another around the table. That. That is what I know you all have experienced, every one of us. Praise the Lord has experienced at least some aspect of that kitchen table fellowship. So we want to set the table for authentic relationships to form so that people around the table can love one another around the table and experience the transformation of Jesus. So that's what that looks like. That's number one. Number two, because it doesn't stop at number one, That church family doesn't just orient itself around the table facing inward. It's not just about loving one another around the table. It's being fed at that table by the love to then go out into the community so that we also see a thriving neighborhood community in South Nashville. The church isn't just about the church. The church isn't just about the people in the family. The church is to go grow that family, to be agents of transformation, reconciliation, rehabilitation in their community. And so this church is also pointing itself outward. This table is pointing itself outward to grow the community around it. So we want to be about the transformation socially, physically, economically, relationally, in historic South Nashville. There are about 3,000 people that live in J.C. Napier and Tony Sudicum public housing. About 3,000 people. There's about 980 children under the age of 18, of which I already told you 70 to 80% do not have a church family. So we take the core concerns of that population of people, the the, the core concerns that they have, because we all have them, we know them, we know those core concerns, we love them in that place, and we want to seek the peace, the justice, the health, the flourishing of that community. We want to grow community gardens. We want to provide fresh produce for the community to to partake in so that they can grow healthy. We want to bring a grocery store to that community. We want to bring political representation to that community. We want to teach the youth in that community how to see the problems that they see and to do something about it. Because what else are you supposed to do in your community? We want to represent the population of people there with the public housing authority, with MDHA. We want to do all these practical things in and around the neighborhood because that's the way the family loves its community. And ultimately, what we believe this does is it, is it creates a journey of transformation for people where people that are strangers 
become neighbors, and neighbors become family. So that as the church is about the healing of its community, guess what grows? The church, the family. That strangers become neighbors, and those neighbors then become the family of God because they've met Jesus. So you would say, what's the third thing? Well, it doesn't stop here because there's an important thing that's, that's a true reality for Napier and for our ministry. It's that it exists within the greater environment of Nashville. It's not just about the church family, and it's not even just about South Nashville and the Napier community, although it could be, and all of you would be like, yeah, absolutely, no. It's about this place too. It's about the rest of Nashville represented by the greater Midtown community. So what am I getting at? I'm getting at not only do we see a thriving church family, not only do we see a thriving neighborhood community, we see my community, Napier, the Napier family as a discipleship, which just means a transformative force in Jesus, a transformative force in Jesus for Midtown. We believe that Napier is a discipleship force For Midtown. We see our community discipling the greater Midtown community. And how does that happen? Well, it happens the same way that Scripture says it always happens. It happens when the people of God move to the margins. It happens when the people of God step out of wherever they're at, step out of the bubble of family and community that they're a part of and where they're safe and where they're thriving. Step out of that to move toward the margins. That is how a discipleship force begins to happen. And why is that? Because it's at the margins that we find Jesus, and it's at the margins that we find ourselves. Because we believe that Jesus left the center of his kingdom up in heaven, and where did he go? He went to us. He went to the margin to find us. So this idea of the table is also a picture of us moving to the edge, moving outside of the middle, because what it means to be marginalized is it means you're on the edge. You're not in the middle with, the, with access to all the things you want and need to thrive and survive. So we move ourselves out of that middle place. We move ourselves to the edge. <clears throat> and what we realize is that's where Jesus came to find us. In our sin, in our unhealth, in our emotional unhealth, in our mental unhealth, in our spiritual unhealth, in all our brokenness relationally, all kinds of other ways, Jesus came to find us. Because, y'all, there's all kinds of poverty, and it's not just economic. And Jesus actually said, blessed are the poor in spirit. So he moved to the margins of heaven. He came to earth to find you and to find me because he knew that's where we were. And so would we not ever dare to believe that we've left the margins? But would we also find people that physically speaking in this earth right now are on the margins in ways that maybe we're not? And would we believe that's not just for them, although it is, it's also for us. And so we believe that Napier will be a discipleship force for Midtown. And it's why we're inviting you to join us in this work. It's why Midtown, excuse me, it's why the Lord called Midtown to this work. 
I even believe it's why the Lord called me to this work in such a haphazard way, as it seems, through Midtown. Y'all, I started right here. I set up these chairs every Sunday morning for years. My wife and I drove the white box truck before we had these nice little uh, under, understage storage areas. And we set up this church out of a truck every Sunday for years before I even had any concept of this vision that the Lord was about. And now here we are. Second Corinthians 5 says, He who knew no sin became sin for us. Why? So that we might become the righteousness of God. If you are in Christ this morning, if you're adopted into the family, you are the righteousness of God. He came and he made you that by moving to the margins. And so we're inviting you to experience that more and more, to grow in that as you do that with us in Napier. Let me pray. We're going to sing a couple songs. And then DeCarlson and I are going to come back up and just share a couple slides really practically uh, with you on how you can be involved. But let me pray. Jesus, as we have just now received your word um, that we believe by the power of your spirit, not by the power or eloquence of those preaching it, but by the power of your spirit, we believe it's effective, Lord. And so we ask now that uh, these hearts that um, we hope and believe and pray you've softened um, would now, in worship to you, would, uh, would join in song um, and then would leave this place, um, we hope, just even a little bit more equipped to now be your sons and be your daughters in this world, to grow this family. So we believe you're doing that, Lord, and we just ask you all the more to do it. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.